Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. This is Barbecue Nation After Hours, the conversation that took place after the show ended. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Everybody, welcome to After Hours here on the Barbecue Nation and the Barbecue Nation Radio Network, which we will have some more announcements on that coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, doing a big expansion, really. Actually, we're we're talking with um, Russ Falk from Kalamazoo Gourmet Grills, and uh, he's the head grill master. He's the bottle washer. He's the designer. There's other people that work there. I know that because I've talked to a couple of them, but but Russ is the man there. Uh, I wish I could say I had more people working for me, but I am the man. I am the chief cook and bottle washer here at Barbecue Nation, so we do that. When um, when people come to Kalamazoo and uh, not the city, but your company there, Russ, when they come and look at that and and your grills are not, low-end grills by any stretch of the imagination they're an they're an investment they're a long-term deal they're very much worth the money but how do you guide them into what they should be looking at to add to their their backyard or their patio or their outdoor kitchen yeah we have a we have an entire uh design team that helps people with their outdoor kitchens and and that often starts with um understanding their priorities and helping them figure out which grill is right for them. Um, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. They, they are an investment. They are, um, they are quite an investment, but they will, they will serve you for a lifetime and sure. they're fantastic. So, you know, in terms of, for most people, the hybrid fire grill is, is the right choice. Um, but you know, there's just, there's just so many options. So we spend a lot of time, um, you know, I'm often answering questions about, you know, can the gaucho grill be your everyday grill? And I'm like, well, yes, it absolutely can. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's not as convenient for a weeknight cook. Um, but if I am just cooking for my wife and I on the gaucho grill, I don't build an entire bed of coals. I will start off with two logs uh, and, and I can do a quick cook over two logs. And if I'm just getting two logs ready, that takes a lot less time, sure. but it still takes a lot more time than the 10 minutes it takes me to preheat a gas grill. Um, so it's just all about your, your preferences and priorities. We have a lot of, uh, customers who have the Shokanine and none of our other products because, you know, it's the easiest one to add to your patio. It takes up the least space in that sense. Uh -huh. Um, and you know, some of the people have chosen it had never cooked on a Kamado in their life. So it's, it's fun teaching them how to use a Kamado and how to make great food. It, it is. And, you know, I, regardless of my comments earlier when I was making fun of the eggheads and, and uh, I told you off the air about my aunt giving me a, you know, 700-pound Kamado-style grill or whatever it was. It seemed like it at the time. I don't like to um, – 
I try not to, I should say, discourage anybody, but actually, as far as ease and convenience, you know, a gas grill with the features that you're talking about, where you can do charcoal or wood or what have you, that seems to me to be the easiest, fastest way because everybody these days, as you know, Russ, is pretty stressed about time, even though we've kind of made through COVID and I don't know what the rules and regs are now as far as that are in Michigan, but, uh, Lord, you know, if they could get, get home pre COVID, uh, fire up a grill, you know, have a, have basically a steak dinner done in 20 minutes. Uh, that's the convenience because people are always pressed for time. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's, uh, that's why more people cook on gas grills in this country than than any of the other ones, and they're all fine units. And I cook on all of them. I'm sure you cook on all of them, but really, the gas grill's still the leader of the pack as far as sales, from what I understand. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's I mentioned versatility when we were when we were earlier in the interview, and I think that's really what it's all about. I'll I will stack up our hybrid fire grills' ability to. Um, smoke foods, do barbecue against any other gas grill. It's going to do a better job. We've got pellet inserts. We've got, you know, no rotisserie cut out um, because everything's internal. So we're not leaking all the smoke out of the hood. Um, And I'll do uh, what I would say is I'll do up to a pork butt in there. Um, But where I draw the line is you're not going to find me trying to cook a brisket in there. No. Other no. people have tackled it. They've done a decent brisket in there, but that's when you want the Kamado or you want our gravity key charcoal smoker, right? It's the better tool for the job. So we've made the hybrid fire grill the most versatile tool imaginable, built around being a great gas grill, but there are there are limits. Yeah. And you know, if you want to pursue those other outdoor cooking passions, uh, it's always great to have. Um the tool that is better suited to those things. It's great to have the pizza oven. It's great to have the uh, our gravity feed charcoal smoker. Um, our Kamado is, is you know, again, on a versatility standpoint, I'll stack it up against any Kamado grill with the adjustable fire grates. Um, you know, it is a fantastic smoker, but it is also still a good grill. Um, you know, you aren't going to wish you just fired up your Weber kettle for this. It's going to be a great charcoal grill. One thing I tend to recommend to people, and I wanted to get your take on this also, Russ, was you mentioned brisket. Brisket for certain certain segments of the barbecue world is the holy grail, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, it just is. But for the weekend warriors and stuff, I actually recommend, and this in $75, you can go through Starbucks. Um, you know, you try tips. Um, mm-hmm. Try tips are a great piece of meat to to start with. They're very tender. You can cook them as a whole. You can strip them out in steaks. You can do whatever you want with it. But uh, if you're just getting started, and, and um, or if you're even experimenting with the the Kalamazoo uh, gourmet grills, I would say you know go out and get yourself two or three tri-tips and mess around with those a little bit and kind of get your feet wet, so to speak, before you, you take on a, uh, 18 pound packer. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tri-tip is fantastic. Um, the thing that I think is, um, 
the alternative to brisket that I'm always recommending to people because you cook it to the same temperature and you have a much more sane beefy flavor. Like my tri-tip, I don't cook any more done than um, my steaks. I bring right. 125. Right. But beef short ribs. Yep. Beef short ribs, you can smoke those at 225 degrees for six to eight hours, bring them up to 203 degree internal temperature, and you've got everything that you love about eating brisket, but it's much more forgiving because you don't have all that connective tissue to break down. Uh, they're not going to dry out. It's like you just smoked a point and left out the, the, the flat. You yep. know, that's yep. easier, right? Right. Um, so I'm always recommending people like if you're, if you're after that brisket experience, but don't want the 20 hour investment to find out whether or not you really know how to make brisket, start with short ribs. <laughs> I like that. 20 hour investment. That's about right. You know, that, my, my brisket is 23 hours. A lot of people think I'm crazy, but I don't do the Texas crutch. I don't, you know, I just, I just wait out the stall and I, and I do it at 225 degrees. So my brisket's 23 to 24 hours in our gravity feed charcoal smoker. And I love it. It's fantastic, but it's an investment. So how much beer is consumed when you do that? Well, I'm good portion of that 24 hours. I'm asleep. So, <laughs> <laughs> is that after the beer or before? So, um, yeah, I no, I typically I, after. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get it. I get it. When um, when people are starting to do live fire cooking, and the reason I brought this up in this segment of the show is because your your answer can be quite. Uh, intricate on this. And so I don't have to cut you off for commercials, but when they're starting to do uh, live fire cooking and we talked a little bit about this, but there's some real important do's and don'ts. Uh, if you never grew up cooking on a campfire as a kid, like I did, um, which probably gave me an edge in knowing some things about live fire cooking, but if somebody's never done it, kind of walk them through what they need to look at and be cognizant of. Yeah, I mean, specifically for a wood fire, um, you know, one of the things to to make sure is that you're not in a rush, right? The the wood fire is going to take a while to get ready. And if you start trying to cook on it too early, you, I mean, worst case scenario, you end up with soot on your food. Nobody right. wants that. Right. Um, so patience, I think, is key. Um, I, you know, I always encourage people when they're learning to cook with a wood fire to uh, keep some distance between the food and the fire on the gaucho grill. That's easy. That can be vertical distance. You're raising it above the fire, but I work with an offset fire in the gaucho all the time. Um, if you're working in the hybrid fire grill or something like that, you know, it's distance cook, cook next to the fire, not over the fire. Right. Um, one of the, one of the ways I try and get our hybrid fire grill clients cooking with a wood fire is to do uh live fire rotisserie. And it works fantastic. And it's it's just it's easy. It's foolproof with the with the food spinning there. And for that, you know, we will take two uh, splits of firewood. I mean, and I would say, when in doubt, use oak. Uh, I know other people have different preferences. I love sure. fruit woods. I like cooking with almonds and the nutwoods and things like that. But when in doubt, I just use oak. Um, so you start with two oak slits, um, sizable ones in the hybrid fire grilling drawer above those dragon burners and use the burners to get them started. Once they've started, and I'll get into some detail on, on at what point you want to pull them, but once they're started and they'll, they'll continue to burn on their own, you turn off all the burners. 
and you take uh, your tongs and your long protective gloves and you grab those slits and you turn them across the front of the grill. Once that fire is ready, when you mount the spit in the grill, um, and my favorite thing to do with that is is just big old roast stuff, but I particularly love doing beef plate ribs this way. Sure. Um, you mount them in a spit, and now they're offset uh, towards the back of the grill. They're not above that fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you you can get the more gentle heat. It's more forgiving. If you have big open flames going on, then make sure you got your lid open and you're cooking with the radiant heat from that fire. Um, as the fire dies down, you can close that lid. You're cooking with the convective heat from that fire. Um, you've got the, the subtle smoke flavor. You've got all of that going on. Now, I mentioned um, like when to pull the wood. If you want to end up with glowing coals uh, and and cooking with a true wood fire, you're going to wait till they're pretty much you know engulfed in flame before you pull them towards the front. Right. But there's another thing you can do. I think Stephen Reichlin coined the term smoketisserie. You can <laughs> grab those splits when they're just smoldering, but smoldering enough that it's going to sustain itself and turn them across the front then. And now you've got your heat source uh, and smoke source of the wood, and it will be a lot smokier. You're cooking at a lot lower temperature. Um, in the first case, I'm talking about cooking at 450 to 500 degrees air temperature where the meat is. Uh, but for smoke history, you're going to be down below 250. Um, and it's just, it's super versatile, but I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole. It, it's the concept of, you know, when you're getting used to cooking with wood, um, keep some distance between the food and the, and the fire and um, cook next to the fire, not directly over the fire. So I've got a question for you. One of the things that drives me nuts is, and I know Steven does this a lot. He was one of the ones really out there promoting this for a while. I am not a fan of caveman style laying the meat right on the coals. That's just me, but I think we've evolved over 4 million years <laughs> so that we don't have to knock hot chunks of charcoal and stuff off our off our steak. Um, kind of the same with me. With uh, And I'm sorry, I'm a traditionalist in a lot of ways, but the tomahawks. You're paying a lot of money for a big chunk of bone that you can just, you know, um, if if you got dogs and you like feeding your dogs expensive ribeye uh, bones, that's fine. You can do that. But the thing that drives mm-hmm. me the most nuts is just laying it on the charcoal. Because little backstory here, Russ, when I was a kid, and again, we did a lot of packing into the mountains and stuff, and we'd always have a, a fire. There was a fire going most of the time. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, my folks drank a lot of coffee and this and that. So there was always something to kind of keep you warm. But once in a while, <clears throat> we had these little grates that we put on the, the rock circle and stuff and little pieces of steel to hold them up and so on and so forth. Once in a while, something would fall off in the fire, you know, or in the embers there. And if my mom saw it, she'd try to pick it up and dust it off real quick and pass it <laughs> off to one of the kids. I wasn't buying it. You know, so. <laughs> so it's interesting that you that you bring that up. So I actually do like that cooking technique. Okay, but but I don't use it for my steaks. Um, there are a couple of favorites um, in there, but you know, one of the things that to me matters the most when you're doing caveman style is what kind of charcoal you're using and what kind of fire you had. Like you're never going to catch me doing caveman style in briquettes. 
because right. there's just too much ash, and that absolutely does stick to your food. But if you're if you're using a good high quality lump charcoal, um, especially some really dense stuff, not like sugar maple, but but the real dense stuff, right? Um, you don't. I mean, like at most, I'll have to pick one glowing ember off of my food. The stuff just doesn't stick as much. But um, so no, I don't do steaks that way. I feel like I'm just showing off if I do that. Sure. But I love root vegetables roasted that yeah. way. Um, parsnips, you know, anything. Turnips are, are great down in the fire, and it really does change. It does taste different than if you cooked it up on the grate. But the absolute best is lobster tails. Something happens at, when that shell chars against the, the coals. Uh-huh. And it imparts the meat inside that tail with a flavor that I've just never been able to, to create with any other grilling approach. Oh. Um, so, the, you know, my favorite caveman style thing to do is I'll take split lobster tails and I'll set up my grill with the grill grate in part of it and grill grate out of part of it. So I've got right. access to the coals and I'll grill that split side where I've exposed the meat. I'll grill that on the grill grate first. And then when it's time to turn it, I turn it over to be shell side down in the coals. Uh, and it's it's just amazing. And I actually think the first person I saw put lobster tails in the coals was Stephen Reichland. Um, and I just, it's, it's fantastic. Stephen will pretty much cook anything. Um, yes. You know. Well, it, he's always got to come up with something new, right? How right. many recipes, how many books does he have? <laughs> 30, last time I talked to him, uh, 34. I think <laughs> so. Sounds about right. Yeah. And by next year, it'll be 35. Oh yeah. Cause, Cause what I, does he do? One every other year. Yeah. I got to I mean, he's, he's fantastic. And you know, he shares his passion for barbecue with the world and, and you know, he, he gives a lot of people great ideas to, to do things. And I don't know how much of my repertoire comes from uh, seeing him do it first. Sure. Well, and the one thing you were talking about root vegetables, we used to, um, we would do baked potatoes uh, in the coals, you know, often they mm -hmm. were, they were not on, nothing was red there and we were way out on the edge, but my mom would put them inside the, the fire ring, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. And then of course I've done them where I've wrapped them in heavy duty oil and stuck them in there. Cause I had other things to cook and I wanted them to take just a tad longer. Um, mm -hmm. And those I don't have a problem with, but I don't know something about. It. I keep getting this vision of like Fred Flintstone or something when we're <laughs> sure. when we're we're, sure. we're doing that, and it's um, I don't know. It's just one of those things. I mean, everybody's got their little their little whims, and I guess that one's mine. Um, yeah. So I mean, one of the interesting things that I think, uh, especially for people who haven't tried caveman style, you know, cooking the food right in the coals, it's a little counterintuitive. I actually think you're cooking the food at a more gentle heat when it's on the coals because you're in some ways suffocating the fire. You're limiting mm -hmm. the oxygen, you're limiting the airflow. So it's actually a little cooler down was a more gentle browning than if you were two inches above the coals on a grate. Well, that's true. That's true because, um, you know, also as a kid, I was a dumbass and touched the grate. Uh, one time with my bare hand, not a glove or anything. And I can tell you those grates get pretty hot. So I'm just going to leave it at that. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
I thought the end of that story was going to be, and then one time I picked up the coals with my bare hands. <laughs> uh, I've actually done that too once, but it was just kind of <laughs> flicking it with my back of my hand to get it back in the more the center of the of the fire. You know what I mean? It would it had yeah. rolled off yeah. or something, and I didn't. We were we were doing a photo shoot or I don't know what it was, but I just kind of took the my fingers in the back of my hand and flicked it, and it went back in the fire, and so I, that one didn't hurt so much. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, you do want to be careful of that when when you're um, when you're doing rotisserie, uh, like you're doing a bird, okay, and um, the the trick to me to rotis, rot, uh, rotisserie cooking, especially with like chicken or something, uh, is to have it one high enough above the fire so you get that kind of convection thing but you still get some direct heat from the the bottom a little bit of it but also being slow enough there how might i want to describe this to you so i because we're not sitting in the same room you want it warm enough so it it kind of seals off the skin but you don't want it too hot to burn it and yet you want it mm-hmm. uh cool enough that it's kind of a slower cook so that the the flavors and everything gets cooked all the way through. Is that a good explanation? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, you've got to keep the heat gentle enough that you have cooked the bird through before the skin right. or the outer layers of the bird are done more than you want them to be. Yeah. Which is, you know, why when we were talking about turkeys, that's why I suggest a smaller turkey, because the bigger the turkey, the more you've got that problem, <clears throat> excuse me, of drying out the outside before you've cooked it through. Well, that's true. And I mean, that even happens in your conventional oven in your kitchen where you've got, okay, you've got 15 people coming over, <clears throat> excuse me, for Thanksgiving. And all of a sudden you want to cook a 23 pound bird in there. Uh, that takes a while, you know, and without, yep. without getting it too dried out and, you know, there's all kinds of things you can do to help that. But, mm-hmm. um, and I also like, you know, Meathead is big on spatchcocking birds. He actually does. I that. am as well. Yeah. Um, and the and the thing that I've kind of, I like to do that with turkey sometimes, especially if we don't have the folks that want to see the Norman Rockwell picture, you know, of the mm-hmm. full bird on the table. And then I don't know why you want to see that because you're just going to, you know, pulverize it anyway in a matter of minutes <laughs> after, after you see it like that. But I've also gotten into, I, I do a lot of game hens. Um, which are baby chickens. And I like to spatchcock those because it makes a much even better and more even cook on those little guys. And a spatchcock um, game hen is just about the right portion for a normal um, adult in their eating dinner type thing, you know, mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they're, if they're kids, they might eat a half one. If they're older people, um, you know, you can even, spatchcock it again if you will and serve them a half of one but i really like that technique it helps a lot yeah i do um fryer sized chickens uh-huh. um, which is enough to feed two to four um and i do them at 500 degree indirect heat mm-hmm. never flip it never turn it and they're done in 35 minutes they're perfect uh, and the, the skin is so crispy that sometimes i crack it when i'm trying to lift it off the grill um so it's it's fantastic if you've got a grill with enough heat circulation 500 degrees indirect whole fryer spatchcock it's it's amazing 
Okay, I'm going to ask you one last piece of advice for people, and this is not for beginners, but this is for people that have been grilling and smoking for a while. What advice would you give them as far as experimenting? Um, I'm always fooling around uh, with food and on the grill, in the kitchen, wherever. And you can ask my wife about how many times she has refused to eat something that I've cooked. But <laughs> but the point is, I sometimes I think we get kind of set in our ways. It's like me with the caveman style, you know, ribeye. But the point is, I want to hear your take on, should people step out of their comfort zones and experiment? Well, I mean, I, I guess I think that depends on the, the person. It depends sure. on how you're hardwired, right? You know, right. some people, some people love learning new things. Um, and, you know, that, that might be great to experiment, but then that same person might want to see the instruction first because it, it ruins their fun worrying about what it's going to come out like. So I think it just depends on, on who you are. I, I'd love to experiment. That's the, the thing I enjoy about cooking is trying something new and seeing how it works. Um, you know, one of the ways that, that people might, you know, one thing that I think helps from an experimentation standpoint is not necessarily a new dish. It's a different cooking method, you know, apply heat a different way. We've talked briefly about sear and slide steak and reverse sear steak, but you know, you can do intermittent cooking of a steak. You can temper a steak. Mm -hmm. um, intermittent cooking is you cook hot, but you, you only grill it for a minute at a time. And then you set it aside and let it rest for five minutes and then grill it another minute, let it rest for five minutes and, and keep going on and off the grill. You can make an amazing steak that way. There's just so many different techniques and, and yes, you can put that steak in the coals and cook it caveman style. So sometimes it's not about, um, trying to do something totally new, like bake sourdough bread in your Kamado cooker. It can just be about you know, using a different kind of heat for, for my steak tonight. Sure. Absolutely. Russ Falk from Kalamazoo Outdoor Gourmet. Man, it's been fun to talk to you today. Uh, I know our listeners will really like it. And you're welcome back on the show anytime because you kind of speak my language. And uh, <laughs> it'd be my pleasure. Again, really quickly, how can they find you and how can they find uh, Kalamazoo Outdoor Gourmet? Sure. They can find uh, Kalamazoo um, on our website at kalamazoogourmet.com. And uh, they can also find us on social media at kalamazoogrills.com. If you want to find me on social media, I'm Grill Russ. Uh, so I'm pretty much only on Instagram at Grill Russ. Um, but it's not a lot of cooking content on there because I personally find a lot of knife collection and all kinds of other crazy things like kite flying. Yeah. Uh, but definitely KalamazooGourmet.com and at Kalamazoo Grills, you'll, you'll be able to hunt us down and you can hunt me down that way as well. Very good. Russ Falk. Uh, folks, if you are doing a outdoor kitchen um, and you're serious about it, and uh, like I said, these are not big box store, low end grills. They're not, but these will last you 30 times longer than those will. And uh, they're well-made, well-engineered, and they put uh, Russ and his crew have put a lot of thought into it. Russ, thanks for being with us today. Thank you very much, JT. It's been a pleasure. No worries. I enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with another After Hours here on uh, Barbecue Nation. Remember our motto, turn it, don't burn it, and be kind to somebody out there. See you next week.